This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. Our scripture text that was read earlier came from the 73rd Psalm. The reading was from the 13th through to the 18th verses. But allow me just for a moment to lift up verses 16 through 17, which reads, When I thought of understanding this, it was troublesome in my sight until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. Before I unpack this psalm, here is a question I have to ask you all today. If God is just, why do some evil people prosper while some righteous people suffer? Why is it that the bad seems to be rewarded and the good go punished? I know the question can never be answered in a way that is going to bring to any of us a high degree of satisfaction. But nevertheless, I believe it is a question that gets to the heart of where many of you and myself, where we are today. To be quite frank, here is what I have observed. The people who seem to be in denial of COVID-19 don't seem to be the ones who catch the disease. I've observed that when the government issues financial relief, it seems to me that those who do not need it happens to be the ones who get it. I've observed. I've observed that the wealthy always seems to get tax breaks and incentives for which the poor never seem to qualify. I see and observe that the well-to-do and the well-connected gets probation, if that, while we get jail time for similar or lower crimes. On and on and on. So the question, again, I ask is, if God is just, why do some evil prosper and those who are the righteous seem to suffer? Well, today, I want to talk about this for a few moments. And I will submit to you that while it may appear that the evil are prospering and the righteous are suffering, I will submit to you that it is just that, an appearance. And furthermore, I want to make the case that because we really don't often understand the things and the thoughts and the ways of God, often we are left confused and shaken in our faith. The fact is, the rewards of righteousness and the rewards and consequences that go for sin may not always be evident in our present lives and circumstances. And because wealth and power are not tests of the worthiness of faith in God, I want to walk us a little bit through this psalm in a message I have titled, quite simply, The Slippery Places. The Slippery Places. Let us pray. Most gracious, heavenly, and eternal Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we have now come to the preaching hour. 
For many of us, oh God, we are living lives, Lord, that is not always comfortable. And we see a lot of things going on around us and it causes us confusion. For your word tells us that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount upon wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. These are the words that we hear in your scriptures. However, Lord, the truth is many times we don't feel like we are soaring. We feel like we are crawling like cockroaches. And so, God, we say, Lord, give us a word today. Give us a word today that will not only inspire us, but will strengthen our faith. So breathe, O God, on this message. Breathe, O God, on this preacher and make them both live. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The 73rd Psalm presents to us a very serious challenge to our faith. It picks up on the fact that many of us are just about tired of how unfair life seems to be. And while we hold on to our faith, we cannot get away from the fact that sometimes it seems like God is just unfair, unjust, and downright uncaring. I mean, we have prayed and prayed and prayed, but our prayers feel like empty and futile words being lifted up to a deaf and powerless God. This is where the psalmist finds himself in these first few verses. If you look with me at verses 1 through 9, here's what it says. God certainly is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant. And as I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no pains in their death and their belly is fat. They are not in trouble like other people, nor are they tormented together with the rest of mankind. Therefore, arrogance is their necklace. The garment of violence covers them. Their eyes bulge from fatness. The imaginations of their heart overflow. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression while they insurrect. That's not the text, but I'm saying it. They speak from on high. They have set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue parades through the earth. Do doesn't that sound like all the people we see around us that seem to be doing quite well? People who seem especially advantaged by their wealth and security. Now while the psalmist acknowledges that God is good and that he's even close to those of us who are pure in heart and that trust him, it does not change the fact that our observation of the wealth and prosperity of the wicked is causing us to slip in our faith. It's causing us to backslide a little in our walk with God. For we observe and we see how everyone seems to be being blessed around us. And we wonder what is happening to us. What is happening? God, have we not prayed to you enough? Why are our children still suffering and struggling? God, have we not prayed to you enough? And if we are truly honest, brothers and sisters, we see the wealth, and the prosperity of the wicked. And we wonder what is going on with the people of God. Here's what I mean. I, I can see the injustice 
in the exoneration of murderous police officers. And so I slip. I, I see the double standard surrounding peaceful black protesters and riotous white insurrectionists, and I slip. I, I see the disproportionate car insurance for people who live in certain zip codes relative to those who live in other zip codes, and I slip. I, I see the, the disparity in healthcare services that are given to white women versus what's given to women of color, and I slip. I slip because my faith and my belief in God is, is challenged, and I can see the constant one-sided benefits afforded to one group of people, yet no matter how many steps forward I seem to take, it seems that as a people we're moving or taking even more steps backwards, and it is exhausting, so I slip. And even as I listen to the words of the Apostle James, who says, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I find myself asking the questions time and time again. Lord, how much more patience, how much more perfection does black people need to have? I find myself slipping time and time again, because it appears to me that the evil are prospering, while those who are trying to be righteous seems to be suffering. It causes my faith to slip when I observe that the wicked, who, who do not seem to suffer trouble the way we do, still seem to be getting ahead. They, they, they cover themselves with pride and violence. Their evil devices knows no bounds. Their speech is scornful, malicious, and arrogant, as if they owned the very earth itself. They deceive many people with their fake news, their big lies, their cons, their evil and presumptuous self-confidence, thinking that God does not know of their sin. And with no cares in the world, these wicked, arrogant people and I'm saying it, continue to prosper. Truth is, sometimes I feel like the value of my salvation is questionable. And, and like the psalmist, I feel like I cleanse myself in vain because since trusting the Lord, it seems I'm getting more persecutions than I am getting blessing. Lord, it seems that the scales are unbalanced and they're tipped in the favor of others while I continue to believe on your word. Church, if I'm being honest, and I am, it seems like God is going out of his way to prosper the wicked and to punish the righteous. I'm sorry, but that's just how I feel sometimes. Maybe you're not there. Maybe it's strange to hear a preacher in a pulpit talk this way, but I can't help but tell you where I am, what I think, what I believe, and I want to know, God, what do you have to say about it? But, but, but I am careful to not go so far that I don't know my place in God's kingdom. But I can question the challenges and the fears and the, and the concerns that harbor in my heart when I see and I observe what appears to me an unbalanced situation in life. 
If you look with me at the text, you will see that I am not alone in my feelings. Look at verse 10. Therefore his people return here, and abundant waters are drunk by them. They say, how does God know? And is there knowledge with the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked. And always at ease, they have increased in wealth. This is what the psalmist is saying. Always, always, they have increased in wealth, and they are at ease. Surely in vain, I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. For I have been stricken all day long and punished every morning. If I had said, I will speak the way that they speak, this way that they will speak, behold, I would have, here's the text, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. The psalmist is crying out to God. He's saying the very same things that I am telling you right now. He says, if I were to talk that way, we would be cursing our entire generation. These people whose heart are very far from you, God. They say things thinking that you don't even know, you don't even hear, yet you stay there, God, and you allow it to happen. What should the righteous do when they stand in the midst of such observations? When I thought, the text says in verse 16, when I thought of understanding this, it was troublesome in my sight. Read the text. The psalmist is not mincing his words. He is observing the same things that I and you are observing. And we are wondering, Lord, what on earth does this even mean? What is the psalmist saying? He's saying that he was envious of the prosperity of the wicked. In fact, he's asking the question, why should the people who oppose God be better off than those who trust him? This problem was so overwhelming that the psalmist, it says, almost lost his faith in God's goodness. In other words, the psalmist was slipping. <laughs> Have you ever been there? Have you ever been at the place where you are so troubled in your circumstances and feeling like you're just plain stuck? And, and while you want to remain committed to God and while you want to commit to the church and you want to do all these things, it is hard because you see how people who are not even thinking about God seem to be getting ahead and you are being left behind. What profit is there in worshiping and serving God and supporting the church? What profit is there if I cannot enjoy the fruit and the benefits in this lifetime? I don't want to wait till the great by and by. I want to experience it in the great now and now. Like many of us, the psalmist was discouraged. He was depressed. He was despondent, he was discontent, and he was despairing until. The text says, until. But until what? Look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. That's the rub, church. That's the rub. The psalmist overcame his doubts and his feelings of insecurity and trepidation and anger by considering the destiny of the wicked. 
He knows how the story ends for them. While they can rejoice now and feel like they are in control and that they are in charge and that they can storm a capital building and that they can do anything that they want. The truth of the matter is we who are the righteous, we know how it ends for them. The psalmist acknowledged that while the entire conflict was painful and oppressive to him, when he got into the sanctuary of God, he understood what will happen to the wicked. Not my words, verse 17, until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. You, meaning God, indeed, watch this, put them on slippery ground. You drop them into ruin. God will set them in the dangerous and slippery places where they will stumble and fall, be cast down in ruin, and suddenly be destroyed. Now I know what you're thinking. My prosperity and my peace of mind should not come at the expense of other people. I hear you. But while it appears that the wicked and the evil are prospering, it's only an appearance. And the problem for you and me is that when we, when, when we devote so much of our time and energy paying attention to the wealth of the wicked, it takes our eyes off of what's really going on. When we focus on what we don't have instead of what we do have, we can slip. When we lean to our own understanding and not on what God's word says, we can slip. When we pay attention to the material and the natural instead of the supernatural, then we can slip and we just might miss God. But the Bible is crystal clear when it says, hear me church, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou, here it is, envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. In other words, do not concern yourselves with those that dwell in slippery places. The slippery place refers to anywhere that will cause you to stumble in your faith. Emotions like jealousy, envy, and covetousness bring about a sickness of the soul that is very destructive and has no upside. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve believed the serpent's lie because they thought God was holding back something good. And today, many of us are believing the same lie, thinking that we are missing out. That's the slippery place. But God withholds no good things from his children. So if the wicked, hear me church, if the wicked appear to be prospering, then you need to be confident that what they have is not a good thing which you need not be envious over. And if left unchecked, your little jealousy or your little envy can become a slippery slope that puts you in the slippery place. Whenever you see things from the world's perspective and what our culture values as desirable, rest assured that you'll find no sure footing for yourself because you will have been in the slippery place. If you find that you are consumed thinking about the car you don't have or the house you don't have, you just might be in the slippery place. If you find that you are obsessed with someone else's possessions, then you just might be 
in the slippery place. If you find that you're miserable because someone on your job is getting more recognition than you, then you just might be in the slippery place. And finally, if you find that you are anxious about which of your friend's kids got a full ride scholarship to a prestigious college and you think that your child is more deserving, then you just might be in the slippery place. You are in the slippery place if you are consumed, obsessed, miserable, and anxious over anything that is driven by what your neighbor has or what you think you need to have. But you need to get your feet back on solid ground. And that can only happen when you enter into the sanctuary of God. Worship in God's holy place is the only thing and the one thing that can get you out of the slippery places. If you are focused on God, you can't at the same time be focused on your neighbor. If you, are, if you are focused on worship, genuine worship, you cannot be focused on idolatry. If you are focused on the holy, then you can't at the same time be focusing on the profane. If you are focused on Jesus, you can't possibly be focused on yourselves. For if anyone will come after me, <laughs> let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. This is how you get out of the slippery places. This is how you find contentment in the midst of the prospering wicked around you. So the psalmist concludes. Here's how he concludes. Verse 21. Listen carefully, church. When my heart was embittered, we all agree that that's where he was and that's where we are sometimes. And I was pierced within. Then I was stupid and ignorant. I was like an animal before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. You will guide me with your plan. This is the psalmist talking to God. You will guide me, Lord, with your plan. For you know the plans you have for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us hope and a future. Verse 24, you will guide me with your plan and afterward receive me to glory. Whom do I have in heaven but you? And with you, here it is, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is good for me. I have made the Lord my refuge so that I may tell all of your works. So I ask the question again. If God is just, why do some persons, you know, some evil people seem to be prospering while the Righteous people seem to suffer. The answer, quite simply, is that they are not, in fact, really prospering at all. It only appears that way. For the truth of the matter is, the wealth of the wicked has been laid up for the righteous. 
And while you may be suffering in your hearts today, do remember that the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Why? For I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So my word for you today, church, is do not lose heart. Do not be despondent, despairing, discouraged, or depressed because of what you may be observing in the lives of others. Keep your focus on the Lord. And in due time, you will enter again into the sanctuary of God where you will see the nearness of God. You'll be able to bask in his glory. You'll be able to lift up holy hands. Oh, ye gates, you'll be able to say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates. Oh, Jerusalem, I was glad when I entered into the sanctuary of God. He is my refuge and my portion forever. And while the wicked will one day perish with all their material possessions that profits them absolutely nothing, you and I, church, will be spared from the slippery places so that you and I may be able to tell of God's good works. I don't know what you heard. I don't even know if you are convinced. But here's what I do know. God is not asleep. And the fact of the matter is, God is waiting in grace for one or two more people. Now notice I said one or two more people that's going to enter into his kingdom. And after grace comes the judgment. One or two more. So if you are a person like me who is kind of sick and tired of observing the wealth of the wicked, then the fastest way to get to your, to your, your blessing is to bring more and more people into the kingdom so it won't be two that needs to fill up, but maybe one more. And then, then the judgment. God is for you, no matter what it may look like around you. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.